Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Charles over at Tide Capital. Um, here with my partner uh, at Tide Acquisitions, which is the real estate arm of our company. Uh, we have a portion that invests in distressed real estate all over the country. And uh, we're always looking for deals, always looking for new opportunities to help uh, build up depressed environments, but also helping to combat gentrification. I think that it's not enough to complain. You have to fight back. You have to do something and use your resources to actually impact what your community looks like. And so that's essentially what the Tide Acquisition side of this company is doing. And uh, with that, I want to introduce you guys to the person that I'll be partnering with going forward in these deals. His name is Lance Pedway. And uh, would you like to introduce yourself, man? Hey, how you doing, everybody? This is Lance, you know. Um... I'm Charles' business uh, business partner. Together we form Tide Acquisitions. Going forward, we focus on value-add real estate. That's my focus. I love cash flow. Um, in communities that we focus on, cash flow is there. The need for nice living is there. And that's all, what we're all about going forward. So let's get this conversation going, Charles. Yeah. So, I mean, I know why I want, I, why I like real estate. I love real estate just because, I mean, the leverage aspect, um, it really allows you to amplify your investment. Uh, the fact that real estate is not going anywhere. It's a tangible, physical asset that you can see, touch, and feel. And that also you have control over determining if you kind of are the, the captain of your own fate in real estate. That's why I like real estate. But for you, what, what kind of turn do you want to real estate? What, like, what, what brought you to that to that market? The best thing to me is to find something and you're able to see it every day. You own a piece of the world, basically. And it's something that can cash flow to the point where you don't have to work anymore. To the point where you can employ some people to keep your operation going as far as your friends and family and sustain a lifestyle that you're totally in control of just based off people paying you for the roof over there. To me, there's nothing better than cash flow real estate. I agree, man. Um, so, I mean, I know that a lot of times people run into these, into into walls when they're, when they're looking at real estate. The down payment these days, they want like 20%. Um, and that, I mean, if you're looking at a substantial property, say, for example, you're looking at a million dollar property, that down payment's $200,000. So, I mean, I'm, I've always kind of been the person that you don't look at why you can't do it. You look at how can you do it. And, and that's kind of why we created Todd, Todd, Todd Acquisitions, Todd Capital. That whole whole landscape exists to kind of bring crowdfunding into the bigger realm of finance. Um, so, I mean, can you... What what do you think about that approach, and do you think that it's lucrative? Do you think that it's working so far? What's what's your opinion on that? I think that real estate is something that doesn't isn't biased to anybody. Anybody can buy a piece of property if they have the money. And the best thing that people can do is partner up with somebody and go in on a deal. Is is the best thing ever. Um, two heads are better than one. Your money goes a lot. It goes a lot further. If two people got twenty five thousand or a hundred thousand dollars, you put that together. 
that's an even better property than you were thinking about going in by yourself on. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I agree. It's so funny. I was listening to a podcast this morning and he was talking about how he was already super successful, probably financially independent, but he felt that he could grow his business and kind of scale up if he brought in more people. And I think that sometimes in the African-American community, we tend to want to do everything by our, by ourselves. I think that we're taught to be independent. We're taught to be stand on your own too. And I think that's a flawed system. And that's another thing that I'm really trying to bring into with this Todd Capital movement is that like, I can't be successful unless you're successful. You can't be successful unless I'm successful. And the example that I kind of gave last night is that it'll be great if the African-American economic community existed like the Golden State Warriors basketball team. And the way that it works is that everybody passes the ball. And if you're passing the ball, somebody's going to get open and somebody's going to score. And if that person scores, the whole team wins. And you look up and you're competing with people who are out there sprinting individually. They're out there playing individual sports. And the team always wins, man. LeBron James is a great ball player, but he exists in a whole team of superstars. You have to have that team. And I think that it's just, it's it's kind of discouraging at times how sometimes people think that they can't win unless they do it by themselves or they think that they can't work with somebody else. I think that a lot of things that we're doing are like a no-brainer. It just, it, just, it just makes too much sense. I think every single African-American person should be on board. And the crazy thing about it, and uh, when you shared that, that comment with Angela, Lee, Angela Yee and them, I was like, you know, the great thing about what we're doing is when you have cash, and when you have resources, it allows you to leverage it into other things. So it's kind of like a cheat code. It's like if you have these stocks and you have this real estate, you have that money working and generating a return on that investment. But it also gives you access to even more money to then build even more on top of. It just makes too much sense. Exactly. Exactly. Partnering with somebody, you, you may be thinking, oh, I can't. I can only afford a, a two unit. But maybe if you, when you're hanging out with your friends, you, you bring up, oh, I'm thinking about buying this multifamily. And they go, oh, me too. And now instead of two units, you're going at, at six or eight units. And that's, it's more bang for your buck. Every, everybody gets uh, a piece of an asset that's paying out some type of cash or providing some type of equity. And... It's just such an amazing thing that we should focus on a little bit more. I agree. I think that I think the problem is people just haven't seen it. And a lot of times what I'm seeing on social networking is that people are seeing what we're doing. And so now they're more inclined to believe that it's the way. And so we've grown from having like 15, 20 members to having like 65 members and just getting contacted all the time, all day. It's just growing exponentially. And so I think the one thing is, is you have to show it to people. You have to show that it works. And then I think that you have to shift that focus. And I think that now people are really starting to say, oh, okay, maybe black economics is what we should be aiming for because they've been protesting for four and five years and four and five years later, nothing's improved. If anything, it's probably gotten worse. And so if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you've always gotten. And so at some point in time, you have to steer that ship and you have to say, okay, well, if our neighborhoods were safer, well, we need cops present. If our neighborhoods had more jobs, would people be selling drugs to get by? There's so many, there's so many opportunities out there. If we just start have, having the right goals, 
and aiming all of our creativity and all of our manpower that we use to protest and create memes and all that stuff to actually uplift the community. We can go so far, man. And even and even expanding the, the business knowledge that we have for maybe the, the people who are selling drugs. Hey, turn that turn that money into a, a corner store or a car wash or something. Mm-hmm. Or or if you can go somewhere and and open a dispensary for people with it just doing T shirts. Hey, look into buying a factory and and printing t-shirts for everybody where everybody comes to you for the clothing um we do things we should just take it to the next level and reaching out just to people with skills that you don't have or capital that you don't have is the best thing that you could possibly do and if we capitalize on that the opportunities are endless Absolutely. So I want to steer back to real estate. Um, I mean, economics, real estate, they're all inclusive. But um, what are some what are some hot markets that you're looking at right now? What do you where do you think there's some opportunity to buy? I I love uh, secondary markets, tertiary markets, not necessarily the, the neighborhoods that we see as hot or the next neighborhoods to buy or these economies are the best, like the Seattle's and New York and LA's and Miami's. Um, if you go into the suburbs of these cities or even the, the inner cities of these cities, the, the real estate is usually undervalued. It's it cash flows. I think Focusing on markets like Baltimore, Atlanta, uh, Chicago, um, Houston, Dallas. You have places uh, Detroit. Detroit is Detroit is somewhere that people should look, especially when now the city has replaced all the streetlights, which, which are big for people were afraid to go out, people were afraid to come into the city because of lack of streetlights. Mm-hmm. Now that Detroit folks just replaced the streetlights, the Detroit is definitely somewhere that people should work. You know, one thing about Detroit, I was uh, okay. I was actually watching Bloomberg the other day, and a lot of times, not just in not just in real estate, but in, in the stock market, a lot of times when people hate something, when everybody hates something, that presents the best time to go in there and buy and I always said that. I, I think a long time ago I said buy, buy real estate in Detroit because people hate it. And so the values are low, but people aren't always going to hate it. And on Bloomberg, they had the owner of uh, Quicken Loans. I forget the guy's name. He owns uh, the Cleveland, Clav- or Cleveland oh, Cavaliers. And so, yeah, Dan, Dan yeah, so Dan Gilbert is investing a ton of money in Detroit. And the owner of the Detroit, Detroit Lions is, or Detroit Tigers the baseball team is actually investing a bunch of money in Detroit. I think he is also the guy that owns Little Caesars. And so you have this billions of dollars being poured into a city. And so it's one thing to buy where you know it's hot, where everybody's going to be investing. But you're not going to make your money going where the money's already been made. You have to go where the money is going to be made in the future. It's like you have to look five, ten years up into the future and see, like, yeah, Detroit sucks now, but it's in this great location. I was looking at the map of Detroit. Like you have Detroit, and then Chicago's not too far from there. Um, I think Toronto's like, right there. Yeah, so there's all these great areas. I mean, compared to California, where we're so far from everything, 
in Detroit, you're still close to like all these hot areas. And I think they said they have like in the city within like the block, there's like four major sports teams now. So the, the Pistons moved back into the city, uh, yeah. the, the, the football team, the baseball team. And there's like, I think the hockey team is there all in the same city. And where sports team goes, economies tend to thrive. So, I mean, I completely agree with Detroit. I think that we can still get in and get some good value in the property that they have out there. One thing that I am afraid of, though, is sometimes, and I'm not sure if this happened in Detroit, but I think it happened in Cleveland, where they just start knocking down homes. And the reason why they knock down those homes, I think, is because they just figure that there is no economically viable use. So that's one thing that I am trying to be kind of stay away from, but I still think there's a lot of opportunity in those, like you said, tertiary markets, those suppressed markets, the Chicago's. I think that Trump is he's been promoting Chicago in the news this entire time. So something's going to happen. They're going to clean up that area. And when they clean up that area, property values are going to go and, uh, going to increase. So there's a lot of opportunity there for sure. Yeah, and, the, and a lot of these inner cities, um, and, and a lot of these inner cities before the real estate, before the recession period, um, people, let's say the, the generation before us, um, our aunts and uncles and things like that, they got these subprime loans because they thought that, you know, this is what you have to do. This is the American dream. They have these shitty loans for no income documentation and people getting loans for houses that should never be worth as high as they were back then, and they lost them. So now cities... Those houses have been torn apart for the, for the uh, scrap metal and whatnot. So the city should be knocking those houses down. The thing is, is what is done with those lots now. Mm-hmm. People want to come in and rebuild houses, um, will determine the parks or community gardens. I, I imagine things like that being turned turned into how the world is going and how uh, eco-friendly everybody wants to be. Lots like that being turned into community gardens and things like that, where people in the neighborhood can come and grow their food and take food and whatnot. Um, in certain in certain areas, I don't think people will ever live again. So some of those houses should be knocked out. But if right outside of downtown of certain areas, it's always great um, because people have jobs as janitors or mechanics, like the the everyday people, uh, the blue collar the blue collar workers, they need decent places to live. Mm-hmm. People need affordable places to live. All this new construction is nothing but unaffordable housing for people mm-hmm. who make under twenty dollars an hour or under thirty dollars an hour or less than fifty thousand dollars a year, however you want to say it. So the opportunities in the vacant property or the open land for affordable housing is is key. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. I was I actually pitched a, a deal to this investor and I was telling him like, hey, I think that affordable housing is the future. People need it. And there's a, a certain sect of people that are disconnected from that market, meaning that they don't get it. And so if they don't get it, they aren't going to get the profit that comes with providing a solution for that sect of the market. Um, so there's definitely opportunity in affordable housing. And I think that that's one way where African-American people who might get it because maybe they have a family member, maybe they have a whomever that's in that situation. And so using that knowledge that they have of finance, 
with that foot that they have in a market that is deserving of an affordable housing alternative, there's profit to be made, man, for sure. Exactly. And when I say affordable housing, I don't necessarily mean uh, going and getting the tax credits like how the big developers do it. Mm-hmm. I just mean fixing up a property that is fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars, and having and charging the rent under a thousand dollars, under eleven hundred dollars, where people can afford it. Absolutely. And and there's still cash flow four, five, six hundred dollars a door for you, mm-hmm. or even in a, in a few months, in a, a year or so, for a super cheap property, that can be it can be cash flowing a ton because it's all paid off, and all you all you are doing is providing a decent living in a decent area, and you're getting decent returns for being a decent person. Exactly. And you're allowing them to kind of get a leg up. You're not. And I think that's one of the problems with like government programs is they require you to be poor to get a deal. <laughs> so it's like if you can give somebody a deal and they, they might be college educated and they might be making sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year. But instead of throwing all that money into the developer's prop, uh, pocket to buy some overpriced home, you can actually put them in one of your units. You can build a whole community around it. That's definitely one of the goals of mine. Um, so... I have a question. I mean, in, in regard to analyzing a deal, what are what are the three things that you look at when determining if something is viable? I, I want to know what's the I, the first thing I look at is how much is the rent. I want to know how, how much is the fair market rent. I want to know how much is the, the neighborhood rent and the average rent overall, and just what the price of the house is. And that, and if, so you can determine if, it, if it's going to cash flow, right? Yeah, if it cash flows, it, 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 it's fine. It's um, you can figure out you figure out the expenses, and if it cash flows at your target, then then that's a that's a deal for you, people. Um, and that and I don't really care about location or a lot of things that people nitpick at. If the house can be, or property can be rented, if it cash flows, I don't care what neighborhood it's in, as long as I can put decent people in it, as long as I can keep the uh, operation expenses low, and I can get into it for a decent price and have a cash flow for $500 a door, and 60% 60 of, of the rent is coming to me, and I can keep the the expenses at under 40, 50%, then that works. Cool, cool. So we, we discussed the rent. I'm not sure if you included the other two and three points in there. Did you? If so, can you parse those out for right. me? So, so rent, for me, um, it'll also have to be more than, than six units. Anything less than that, I feel that it doesn't, it doesn't cash flow enough for what we're trying to do or what any if you're looking for um if you're looking for the cash flow that's enough to feel like you're doing like you to feel like you're doing it and it's worth it, six units or more. And that's so, also so that you can so that you can get that diversity in there too. Just because you don't want to get stuck with only having one tenant. If you go vacant on that one tenant then the property has zero cash flow. But if you have six and you lose one tenant, then you still have five other streams of income coming in, right? 
Exactly. Exactly. So I would say the rent, I would say the units, I would say the, the lo- actually location. Location does matter. And I would say the, the perfect locations for me is something that's close to a hospital, something that's close to schools, high schools, elementary schools, something maybe close to a main road or a gas station nearby, a grocery store nearby, something where walkability is, is something. Because um, people sometimes just want to walk to the grocery store or I just want to hop in my car and go five, ten minutes from my house to wherever. And so location does matter. Mm-hmm. And I would say high schools and major hospitals are a key for me. So I would say two, three things is too much. Location and rent. That's the only thing I, uh, nice. is a must. I like simple lists, man. I, I think that if you can hit those two things, I, I, I definitely agree that the location and the rent are the, definitely the most important things. A lot of times people get caught up in investing for for appreciation and they're aiming for speculation. And that's how people get burned, man. If that property cash flows in a, in a good market or a bad market, you never lose. And I think that that's one of the most <laughs> interesting things that happen. Even, I mean, that's one of the Kiyosaki's principles is cash flow. It's like if you can get enough units where your cash flow can make you financially independent, then you're good no matter the market. Um, if anything, when the market got worse, property started cash flowing better because more people were being pushed into becoming renters. And so then the renters, rent started to increase. I think the cash flow is just the best strategy long term. I went to a bigger pockets meeting in my area, and uh, these people were talking about where they wanted to rent at, and they were all avoiding where I lived. And I understand that because where I live isn't a great place. By if you went off of just headlines and things like that, um, so they're talking about like, oh, I'm looking for this property, and I needed to cash flow like this, and I'm just not getting the returns, and blah 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 blah, and. I'm thinking there's a house next door to mine for sale or behind mine for sale, six units, and it's cash flowing $4,500 a month. Y'all are just avoiding it because you have a preconceived notion in your head. So the deals are there just because you don't want to enter a neighborhood or you feel a certain way about something doesn't mean that what you're looking for isn't there. I, I don't necessarily care because... Where I live, that may not be the best of areas. So I'm not. I'm used to good things. I'm used to bad things happening. It doesn't really matter. So to me, and and I live next to two great hospitals, and a ton of people are nurses around here. They 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 don't just because they uh, have to live in a city where people commit crime at doesn't mean that they should be undeserving of good uh, good properties to live in and rent and nice landlords and people lose that somewhere in their minds. I think that um I think that it's 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 interesting that you say that because you're not the first person that I've hear say that. But and I read a book a long time ago and he said something about like if you have a conf- like, if you have a competitive advantage, you have to lean on that advantage. Like I never want to how did he put it? He said, it was a Grant Cardone quote. He said something about, um, I'm ethical, but I'm not fair. And so, yeah, I think that we have to strategically trump it up in a way that it actually does scare that money out of there 
to the point that you become the bottleneck. If they want to get into that community, they have to go through you. I think that that sounds like the perfect opportunity for a joint venture. If they have the means, but you have the in and you can get the returns and you can manage the property and you can maybe even be a live-in manager, that sounds like a great opportunity for a joint venture. If they have the means, they want the cash flow, but they don't want the the maybe perceived headaches. I hear that a lot. I hear it on the Bigger Pockets podcast all the time. There's areas that people are afraid to invest in, but those are the areas that we as African-American people who might be able to exist in those areas should be leveraging the hell out of that, man. We really got to take advantage of that, of that advantage. So, I mean, what, what could actually be a problem is usually an opportunity. Exactly. Even for, even for the, I would say for the, let's say like the rappers and things like that who have the money and say, I want to invest in my neighborhood, but and their lawyers or advisors are, are saying, hey, no, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. This, this only works like this. Mm-hmm. But if they, if they have somebody who they know is knows what's going on on the ground, who, who can see where the property is going and can manage the asset greatly, or greatly, I'm starting to talk like Trump, um, who can manage the asset great, that's a that's a lane that is untapped. Nobody, nobody is worrying about the underserved community having great real estate. It's a fragmented community where people, a lot of people just don't understand what's going on. Exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing. That's what Todd Acquisition is here to do. We're here to bridge that gap between the, the entertainers, the athletes, the people that out there that have money, that are looking for a return and the actual opportunities. We've vetted these opportunities. We've found deals. We've found opportunities that meet those two qualifications of rent and location. And I think that there's just so much opportunity that we're not taking advantage of because the money's either being used by other people's funds or it's being used on nonsense. So, um, I mean, before we get out of here, I want to keep these these podcasts brief. I think that 30-minute podcasts are like the, the ideal Um I want to actually just make that appeal to everybody out there. We have a website. It's uh, capitaltodd.com. On that website, there's blog posts. There's an information session. There's a contact session. We want to build this acquisition fund up so that we can go. We can provide those affordable housing opportunities that cash flow that are still good investments that actually provide something of a quid pro quo for the people in that environment that allow them to get on their feet, stay on their feet, generate some cash, have some savings set aside because they're not being gouged by rents and landlords. And more importantly, that the funds aren't being pulled out of their community. A lot of times, these in, these investors that come in from outside communities, what they do is they pull the resources out and they treat it just like Africa, where they pull all the resources out, they build up their neighborhoods, and then they leave you depleted with nothing. So, um, yeah, you can email us at info at We'd love to work with you. Um, there's so much opportunity out there for us to get uh, just kind of building up what we already have. So uh, before we leave, I have a question. Uh, what is your favorite real estate book or podcast? What's your favorite real estate podcast or book? My favorite real estate podcast, I would have to say it would be a toss-up between, I'll, I'll give you three of those. I would say I love listening to Old Capital, uh, real estate investing podcast. I love listening to also, the lifetime cash flow through real estate uh, investing with, uh, I believe it's Rod Cleef. 
And I also like listening to, uh, I'll say bigger pockets. I'll throw bigger pockets in there. <laughs> and what about books? And, uh, as far as books, I would say the best, the two best real estate books for me, I like to, I like to see people give examples of the deals that they're going through. I would say the people's principles by, to me, who's the greatest, uh, our Donahue Peebles. Uh, everybody should look that up. And also, the Contrarian Playbook by uh, Manny, I'm not going to butcher his name, K-H-O-S-H-B-I-N. Um, those two books are great. Very cool. I've, I've read both of those books, and I'm familiar with all of those podcasts. I won't share my books, just because people, if you follow my Instagram, you know my books. But, um, I mean, going forward, we're going to continue this conversation with Lance. We also want to bring on some other other investors that are in the field that are out there making it happen. Uh, we'll try to bring this podcast at least once a month or once a week, once a week. So um, thank you for tuning in. You can reach us at info at capitaltod.com. Website again is capitaltod.com. Thank you.